Hello, and welcome to the very first Best Mates podcast. Today on the show, I'll be chatting to a good mate and very talented photographer. We'll be going over things like cars, his passion for photography, mental health, and everything in between. Before I introduce him, I would like to thank everyone who has given up their time to listen to this episode and for sending in all of your questions. With all that said, please welcome James Irwin to episode one of the Best Mates podcast. Woo! All right. Thank you so much for coming on. Um, it is the first episode. So it's, it's, it's pretty exciting that I, I, can get, I can get to do this. I can talk to people. Um, a, a lot of my friends, they've bloody, they do everything. I'm, I'm pretty fortunate that I've got so many friends that do so many different things. And this is a little bit of how I can sort of get to know them better and their friends can get to know them better. Yeah, exactly. And I guess figure out new things for yourself to do. Exactly. And especially with COVID and everything and me working from home now, which is like the best thing in the world. Jealous. I've got a little bit I've got a little bit of extra time. Um, so tell everybody who you are and what you do. Give them a bit of an ASL. All right. Uh, name is James Irwin, born, bred in the UK uh, before I moved with my family in 06 to Canberra. Beautiful place it is. Boring as batshit. Um, I guess I'm a, so I'm a photographer. Um, been taking photos now for three or four years. Um, it was probably not until I dropped out of uni until I actually picked up a, uh, a camera and then never looked back really. Went to CIT, studied that, got my qualifications. Um, met a whole bunch of good photographers. Um, then left there with no massive direction in what I wanted to do and started shooting food. Um, I still shoot food. And then I kind of delved into the car community when I, I guess, kind of started modifying cars heaps and um, kind of got the best of both worlds. I got to see cars um, and shoot cars that I've always seen on Instagram and and loved following. Uh, I got to meet a whole heap of new people. It's helped me travel. I've been to Melbourne numerous times each each year to shoot cars and see shows. Um, but I didn't actually start doing that until I really, really started pushing myself uh, about middle of last year. Um, but since then, it's come leaps and bounds purely just by getting out and shooting, getting opportunity, um, and really actually testing my creativity uh, with what I'm shooting and how I shoot it. Um, yeah. so I'm pretty much shooting cars full time now. Um, I have a day job. I don't have that massive luxury creative life where I get to do, do it full time. Um, yeah. unfortunately, but everyone's going to start somewhere. Um, it's going to be a long journey, but I'm excited to see how it goes. But I, I'm, ma- I'm a manager now at uh, Platypus Shoes in Woden. So that's, that's always eventful. It's fun. It keeps me on my toes. Um, and I love sneakers. So it yeah, you like makes the, shoes, it all the, better. the shoe scene. Yeah. But so, it also keeps you busy too, not doing, you know, at the moment, not having full-time photography work is probably a good thing because people can't go out and about to do that stuff anyway. So if you were doing full-time photo gigs, you'd kind of be yeah. stuck anyway at the moment. I mean, I've had a lot of friends who work for photography businesses and they do, uh, they shoot weddings and they do baby shoots and stuff like that. And they've actually had to either um, claim through Centrelink or they've had to move on to other day jobs that they, they really want to do. Um, yeah. And that's just to get them by. Whereas I've got this little bit of a safety net uh, with, with platypus. So it really helps. Keeps it controlled. Yeah, exactly. And I, I find like, I also, I'm a photographer at Mooseheads as well. Um, and they were the first to, first to kind of shut down working um, in the night scene. They really tried to keep it open. Um, but I haven't been taking photos there in quite a few weeks now. It's nearly two months. Um, so I'm really excited to get back into that. Actually, I I never really realized or appreciated how much I actually enjoyed shooting at Mooseheads, despite the hours. It was my social time. Like, yeah, it was even though it's work, fun. it's still social. Yeah, exactly, and that and that's how I find my my car stuff as well. Shooting cars um, and meeting these people, uh, I guess it's a blessing uh, that I get to see these uh, amazing 
builds and and meet the people that have built them as well but just kind of hang out and take photos but still get paid to do it so and still that's kind of why I love at it. the same time yeah exactly i mean and like going back to the covid thing like it's so at the moment we're in such an unknown with what's going to happen like i just spent over three grand on a camera so i could go and start doing gigs again and i did two before everything was locked down like so i couldn't imagine that people are doing it full time and then they can't go and do it they've got all this gear sitting there yeah exactly and they've and they've tried like i know a lot of people have tried doing food stuff from their home um and everything like that but it's just like a couple of people have studios um Mm. and they're they're able to social distance but um it it really restricts how much work you can get in and people are tightening their pockets because they don't have the really the expenditure to be pushing out more work so i mean um i'm blessed i've got quite a few uh return customers um they're just like instagram content for their cars and stuff like that so um before everything went fully locked down i managed to i like when platypus closed i managed to have actually like a week and a half where i squeezed in a couple of shoots but on that last shoot, we ended up getting um, getting warned by uh, AFP that if we were caught again, <laughs> then we would get a fine. So if yeah. any cops are listening, I have not shot since until this morning, so please don't knock on my door. But I've I'll never done up. anything illegal taking photos. I've never laid in the back of a car. I've never done anything like that. Oh, uh, never. Uh, never. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was an eventful time. I remember yeah. shooting Ravi's car before um, everything shut down. Uh, we were at in the Brindabellas, and I was ratchet strapped into the boot of my own car, <laughs> shooting rollers. But yeah, I'll yeah. put um, I'll put up a, a picture of that when I when I post this. I'll put up one of those photos that you took. Um, so going back a little bit, going back a little bit to when you moved here. Um, mm-hmm. So I said it before. The idea of this podcast is for me to get to know my friends a little bit better, and for people who are friends with my friends to know them as well. And like, sometimes you've got no idea of, you know, who your friends are and what they've been through and what they've done. Um, so you're from England originally. Yes. Yeah. So, so what was that uh, like growing up? Well, growing up over there and then moving here? Um, well, to be honest, it was like, I don't remember a vast amount, but as a kid, I was always moving around and stuff. Dad was uh, military was in the British Army and stuff. So um, we, when I was two, moved to Cyprus. Um, all I remember is running around um, in beautiful sunshine and stuff like that and then moved back to the UK. Um, pretty much was my whole childhood was just playing soccer every day, loved soccer, always played it. Um, I don't really remember how things were. I just remembered remember the cold and mm. slightly where I grew up because um, I grew up on an army base as well. Um, yeah. But really moving out here, like I've not been back since and I plan to go back. I actually plan to go back at the end of this year, but everything got closed down. So maybe next year um, yeah. get to go back and see some family. Um, but growing up here was mainly what I what I remember, but, Definitely the first few years was hard being um, quite young and not knowing how to deal with, with a lot of change, even though I'd been through so much change before um, and being kind of, I guess, an outsider um, to begin with, um, getting used to... Hard. Yeah, like everyone, obviously we don't understand when we're that young, um, I guess the whole, I guess, bullying and stuff like that, we don't understand what we're doing is wrong until we're told. Um, but I was always different because I sounded different. Um, I would have bullied you for that too, to be honest. Oh, mate, uh, you'd probably be the first to as well. <laughs> I probably um, would have been. <laughs> um, but yeah, I lost the accent quite quickly, which was good. That slowed a little bit of the bullying. But yeah, like, um, I don't know. I just coming out here was a blessing because it, it, I guess it taught me a lot at quite a young age. Um, I mean, I've, Got one sibling, uh, so I was conditioned to being bullied at least because she's older. Um, but I guess I went a completely different route to a lot of my family. Um, they, my, I know my sister was quite a bit older um, when we moved out here and she had sort of already set up her direction of where she wanted to go in life and 
the Australian culture, I guess, has changed the direction I've gone compared to the rest of my family because the countries are completely different despite being colonized. Well, like being mostly British in the country, like with two completely different cultures. So. Completely different, yeah. And how come, so your dad was army. Why did you not follow down that path? Look, I'll be honest, I was a very lazy kid. Um, <laughs> I looked like and felt like a whole lot of lot of work that I didn't really want to do. Um, but I guess the biggest thing I, I always, I guess, told myself, especially in my mid to late teens, is um, my dad, no hate on him or or anything. I love my dad to bits. He supports me through everything. But he wasn't around for a, quite a few of the significant events um, yeah. when we were kids. Um, and that was because he was putting food on the table. He was, um, working. working quite hard and, um, doing what he was doing. So I know like he wasn't around, um, when I was born, um, and stuff like wow. that. So, um, he was actually, I think he was in, uh, he was definitely in the middle East somewhere, um, serving in the British army. So he missed that. He's missed numerous birthdays and stuff like that as well. Um, and I was quite sick as a kid, um, so he actually got emergency um, removed from the Middle East like, and brought, like a leave, brought back. Yeah. yeah, so he came back for three weeks because uh, when I was, uh, yeah, th- th- three weeks old, I was pretty much on my deathbed with meningococcal meningitis. Um, <laughs> Perfect for a newborn. Yeah, exactly. So I was on respiratory systems and stuff like that. So mum, mum definitely felt that but he managed to come back and and see us for a little bit and um i mean i'm still breathing so still here still, been too bad. still kicking <laughs> still kicking good that's good to know so i've got we, we hope to get a few questions <laughs> come in from people uh from your followers um all 1200 of them combined um we got a few we got two uh, we'll yeah. start because we've sort of gone over the photography. We'll start with one, the first question of the two, uh, which kind of answered it anyway with a little bit of photos, but we'll get into more photos anyway. But when did you start gaining an interest in photography and why do you love it so much? Uh, when I started, um, I gained an interest quite a number of years ago when I was uh, probably about 13, 14, 15. Um, I was a skate park rat for quite a few of my years, uh, rode scooters for five-ish years, um, and a lot of my friends had cameras and, like, just the basic stuff. Um, they would have thought they were so sick too. Oh, yeah. Like, the yeah. Canon's, like, 650D or something, and with the flip-out yeah. screen, shooting yeah. on live view. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, like, we... Riding we around we the skate like, park like you're Ryan Williams. Yeah, exactly. Oh, fuck, I wish I was Ryan Williams. Um, but, yeah, like, I, I never had a camera. Um, I couldn't afford a camera. Um, my sister had a camera, though. So I used to steal it um, very on a very odd occasion, but otherwise I'd just be shooting on other people's cameras. Um, so that was, I guess, where, like, the seed was sown. But when I was at uni, I wanted to leave. I couldn't keep studying psychology I was studying psychology for a year um and when I left my dad was in the UK and my dad uh I like my whole uh high school I was not not going to uni not doing it then I hit tertiary education in year 11 and 12 and was super excited and I was like you know what I'll go to uni I'll study psych I love finding out about brains and how people function and why they function and then got I got about eight months through my first year and just decided that I didn't want to be there anymore. Yeah. But I left while dad was in the UK and I knew that if I didn't have a plan of what I wanted to do (laughs) or where I wanted to go when he got back, I was in the doghouse for life. So he was going to beat the shit out of you. Oh yeah. There's a funny story about a conversation he had with a work colleague that I met. Um, But (laughs) yeah, basically from there, I um, was looking at courses and on the CIT website, um, and I needed a portfolio of work that I hadn't even comprehended how I was going to capture without a camera. Um, and then you knew what you wanted, you just didn't have the, 
resources really the resources yeah. to get it so i stole my sister's camera um she hadn't used it in about a year so i was like you know what i'll give you 100 bucks i'll take it um went and started shooting just around whatever i could the war memorial the carillion um some street stuff some graffiti um and i whipped up this book of 20 images that i look at now and think what was i thinking um but either way, it got me into the course. Yeah. Um, so, so that was when I think it really picked up. And one comment that's kind of resonated from my dad that he's ever had uh, with me, with, well, in a conversation with me, he um, he said uh, it was one of the times he actually said he was proud of me. It was when he had realised that okay, me doing photography wasn't the worst thing in the world. I yeah, found just something, something I enjoyed. Were just gonna do. Yeah, and he actually did say, he was like, look, I've never seen you work harder now than you have in your life. Like when you were doing psychology, you were cruisy um, and you enjoyed it. But now that you've got a camera in your hand and that's what you're doing, you've been working harder than I've ever seen you work before. And I mean, it's not hard when I was a super lazy student, but it was def- it definitely meant something. And it's it's fueled me wanting to, to be better. Um especially with the competitive uh, photography stuff in Canberra um, being oh, such a tight Canberra's a small place. There's only, what, 400,000 people there. Yeah, and, and there's you know. 399,000 with a camera. Um, yeah. And, I mean, you can get a good camera for a 1000 bucks. You know, you can get a, a drone for a $1,000 and go and, you know, make yeah. cinematic footage. Exactly, and, and it... And it it's difficult. It's really hard, especially there's quite a few people offering free shoots, um, yep. which kills me. Um, no offense to those people whatsoever. I get it. You're not qualified. You don't want to feel like you're jipping anyone for money on not being, I guess, what quote unquote, a professional photographer, yep. but they are single-handedly putting a massive dent in a lot of the, the photographer's pockets when they do that. Oh, for sure they are. And the, the other thing too, like photos, art, tattoos, all that sort of stuff, it's so subjective. I can look at car shots and go, hop, what are you doing? Like how yeah. many times did you HDR process that? And it'll get 2,000 likes and the dude's got 14 shoot, shoots booked up. Yeah, exactly. And um, yeah, um, I guess moving on to what I love about photography, um, there's quite a lot. There is a significant amount of things that I do love about um, the industry. And I think one of the biggest one is I'll go external first, but I think um, one thing that doesn't necessarily, it doesn't massively have an impact on me um, personally when I shoot, but seeing the face of a client especially with automotive photography, someone spent 10 plus years building a car or they've, they've put every cent of money that they earn into building a car and try and pump it out in a short amount of time. Um, And being able to capture what they've built and what they love and then just kind of seeing their reaction to it is quite possibly one of the best, um, the best feelings. Um, and, And so I definitely love that. Um, but for myself personally, in a selfish way, I guess, um, it's, um, like I've just, I went through my Instagram today and I archived a whole heap of photos from even the middle of last year. And that's because, that's because my direction's changing. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm evolving quite quickly. Um, I'm discovering a style that I like. I'm discovering editing colors and and different, I guess, tones to photos. And on social media, people follow you and people do things because they think your stuff's aesthetically pleasing and they enjoy looking at it. Um, yeah. So building that is super difficult. But I personally just love the like the personal journey through photography, um, like car photography. I was. When I started that, my God, I was looking at photos that I took and I don't even know why I thought they were good. Um, but then I can I can finally sit back now and look at a photo and go, yeah, that's sick. I like that. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so. it, like, like you said, though, e- either way, 
the guy that spent so much time working on that car, he wouldn't even care if it wasn't focused properly. Yeah, exactly. He's just like, they're still going to go, that's my car. That's, you know, that's in a print. That's mine. I did that. Yeah, exactly. Um, I think, I think probably, I'm just going to add in probably my favorite car with the best reaction that I've had. Um, there was there was someone that I shot their their car and it was it's super hard because they also take photos um, and I won't release their uh, their name because <laughs> they take photos um, and I'm gonna say that it was probably one of the hardest shoots that I've ever done um, because it's a fairly I've not posted it anywhere and I've done a number of shoots that I've not posted anywhere but that's because their cars don't massively interest me I did the shoot for them. Um, yep. but their car, like this particular car was to me, just looked like regular traffic. Um, <laughs> but they loved their car and they had an insane reaction. Um, and it was really cool, um, to be able to even shoot a, like a car that looks like regular traffic, but try and make it not look like regular traffic is yep. just another thing as well. But, and that's when you need to go up to the Arboretum at 5.30 in the afternoon and guess what? It's not regular traffic. <laughs> yeah, I was actually at the Arboretum this morning. I did a sunrise shoot. Um, it's the best it's spot. It's, it's picturesque. It's nice light. Um, I'll give a little tip to camera photographers if they are listening. Make the effort for a sunrise shoot. I've not done it in a very, very, very long time, and I did it this morning, and it was probably one of the better shoots that I've done. Winter yeah. morning, there's fog through Canberra covering the valley um, and the steam coming off of the lake looks sick. Yeah, that's a good yeah. spot. I used, that's when I used to go and fly my drone before work. I'd go up there and go straight over the pines over in the corner. Yeah. All right, so cars. We, we've talked a little bit about cars. What's your dream build? Oh, dream build. That's hard. I have a number of dream builds but all right what's the one you dream about the most and why is it an r34 gtr it's an r34 gtr because (laughs) well it's not even a gtr i tell you what my dream build of all time and any car collector or whatever is going to tell me i'm an absolute wanker for this but i love this i love the 34 four doors I have a soft spot in my heart for a a four-door 34, and one day I will own one. Um, I was going to buy one last year when I bought my GTI, um, but didn't because I couldn't make the reliability uh, mistake again. Um, It's a four-door 34 because those things dropped on their ass and stanced out like a VIP-style 34. Amazing. Perfect example. Nick Starrett, his 34 is pinnacle for me. I've never understood the hate but for a 34 four-door. I I'd still I still can't get it because the 34 four-door is my favorite skyline. It Practicality-wise, it's a family car. You, it's a family car. It's like when I had my stager. Everybody said, oh. why would you buy that? I said, well, I've got, I've got a GTR R33 in a wagon. Your missus is having trouble yeah. getting in and out of your car, mate. I can get your missus, my family, and the dogs in the back. Yeah, exactly. Like, I don't get me wrong, though. If you put a 34 front end on a stag, you're an idiot. Um, but, yeah, I, I don't know. I The 34 is, it's roomy. Yes, okay, it may handle like a boat, but you're not driving it around a track, especially if you stand no, it. That's right. You run it lip to guard, and it looks beautiful. Yeah, good. That's a good answer. Yeah. I'm happy with that. So you said you got a um, you said you've got a, a GTI now. Have you got any other cars? Uh, I have a Mazda MX-5 still. I still have that. I sold half of it back to my dad, um, just because I made a split decision that I was sick of jump starting my car in winter, um, <laughs> because the battery would freeze over, um, and it just wouldn't start. It wouldn't kick. Um, so I decided to get a 2015 Polo GTI. Um, wow. so I went with the Polo over the Golf merely because of size, um, and cost. Um, so the Polo runs pretty much 
if you take out of the equation that I'm under 25 and driving a turbo car, yeah, it's pretty much the same running costs as the MX-5. Um, I think there's about $10, $15 difference between a full tank. Yeah, um, it's nothing. It's it's negligible. So, But then when I did buy it, I did test drive uh, two of my more preferred high-end European cars, and that was a, the the R and a RS3. Oh, sorry, an S3. Um, right. I couldn't bring myself to do that. And now with all this COVID stuff, I'm super glad because I would have <laughs> had no money left because I'm still paying off my Polo. And the, like they were a good eighteen to $20,000 more. But I tell you what, an S3, if anyone wants to buy one, do it. <laughs> they are so fun to drive. <laughs> very fun to drive. They are very cool. Um, so going back a little bit, the 34 four-door yep. because of the room because you can fit a whole family. Yep. And right now you own a Polo and an MX-5. Are you ever going to own a normal size car or are you just going to continue with like the white girl size cars? Uh, probably not. I'll probably never buy a regular size. <laughs> I'm going to say with, with the white girl cars. Okay. I mean... I've got a hot hatch. I've got a hairdresser's car. Yeah. Um, I love the MX-5 because working on it is so easy. Mm-hmm. Everything is very straightforward, but and I love the Polo because nothing beats front-end torque. Um, but trying to work on the Polo, I have nearly blown my brains out a couple of times. Um, yeah, not fun. We wrapped my dash in the tartan pattern fabric uh, and it took eight hours just to get my dash out. Yeah, I did my stager. I plasti dipped my stager in about 45 minutes, my whole dash. Yeah. See, Japanese cars, they're just, <laughs> they're just so easy to do. Um, yep. But, yeah, um, I tell you what, I will buy a regular size car that's not a white girl size car. Yeah. When I buy a thirty-four. Okay. Good. Good to know. I'll be waiting for that Instagram post. The day that it changes from sad boy GTI to stance thirty-four. That was another question that I didn't have. Um, is it true that if you want to be in a car click, you need to be a sad boy? <laughs> In my car clique, yes. Um, <laughs> nah. Um, I don't know. There's a lot of stigma going around the car community about this whole sad boy thing. and There is. And I've got some friends that are very involved in the sad boy I know. Thing. I know people. Um, I know people who have done it in the right way and people who have done it in the wrong way, but then that comes down to a matter of opinion. I think for myself, um, I mean – I just listen to sad boy music. I'm constantly <laughs> negative about life. Um, so constantly shoegazing. Yeah, I guess I guess it's just uh, I guess it's just a, a fitting thing for myself. But then I have like a couple of friends who support it, and I did. I I guess here in Canberra, like I got a, a small clique of friends in the car community, and yes, we have a sad boy clique Instagram. Yes, we. <laughs> mope around and just do whatever we want to our cars and don't really care about other people's opinions. Um, but the main reason I started my car, particularly along that sad boy thing, is not because I want to flaunt that our uh, mental health is bad or my mental health is bad or whatever. Um, or it was that is sick. Yeah, it was morely, sorry, purely just because um, I actually really like um, endorsing that, yes, people have mental health problems. Yes, it is hard, like I've lived with them myself, um, and, and things can get rough for a lot of people, but we're trying to create a, a stigma-free community, um, I guess, within just ourselves where if one of us is feeling shitty or one of us is feeling quite depressed, then we've got a little community there that if someone wants to talk, they can talk. Um, A guy in the car community a little while ago, um, Luke ran a um, sticker um, 
a sticker. Well, he sold a heap of stickers, basically, which had the suicide hotline prevention, suicide prevention hotline number on them. I run yeah. one on the back of my car. Um, quite a number of people run them. Uh, they came in a banner. They came in just a little decal, um, and that's a part of my strip that's down in my back window. Um, and so I, I personally am doing it not to flaunt that being sad and mental health is something to flex but it's more um that it's out there it happens people have bad mental health um but they're not alone they can talk to people and stuff like that as well yeah the biggest thing is is knowing that there's somebody as well that's there to talk like i think every every guy goes through it and it's it's almost becoming a meme now like this cliche that everybody you know talks about it because it always gets asked, it always gets talked about and people say, oh, just, you know, just just send me a message or, you know, just reach out if you're feeling shit. It's not that easy. Yeah. Um, and people have this big stigma behind, especially men's mental health. And yeah. Yeah. And in the car community, like, yeah, all right, there's some tough nuts and there's some people that, um, all right, you drive a muscle car. It doesn't mean you're the hardest dude out like you have bad days everyone has bad days um and stuff like that as well so yeah we're supposed to be i guess we're supposed to in quote unquote um hard men like we're into cars but it's not always the case we're, we're sad boys we're not just yeah exactly tough with, with, with tough cars yeah you don't have to be a sad boy but if you want to run with me get crying yeah if you want to run with me, you have to be sad and you have to own a girl's car. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, that's yeah. all you need. That's all you need. Two things, two two boxes to check and you you get a free sticker as well. Oh, we got, what, two wagons, uh, <laughs> SR Swap D30, a non-turboed Supra, Josh Larnick, if you're listening. Oh, um, is, it, is it auto as well? No, nah, it's manual. Thank fuck. Oh, I don't think you'd ever buy an auto, to be honest with you. Oh, um, no, it's not an auto, an auto NA. Yeah, well, he's going to build an engine, hopefully, sometime soon. Um, and then, yeah, and then there's my uh, hairdressing car. The hairdressing car, good. Well, hairdresser is allowed to go back to work in New South Wales now, so your car oh. sort of has a purpose, finally. Well, finally, I won't start getting pulled over. <laughs> yeah, let's hope not. Now, with, with your photos, is there something, obviously, you do food, uh, yep. you do cars, you do events, you've got a lot of fingers in a lot of pies. You're kind of like a modern-day Jim Levenstein here. Oh, I wish. What, where do you want to go with your photos? Oh, that's a tough one. I'd love, I'd absolutely love to get to the point where, like, um, I'm shooting commercial automotive photography. Um, it's a super hard thing to tap into. Um, you've got to have a lot of connections, um, and I'd, I mean, it's it's something to work towards. Um, I guess in the next two years, I'd love to be shooting more car events. Um, like your status and downshift and things like that. Yeah, exactly. So, um, like, I know, like, status was amazing. I Going down there to shoot and hang out with a lot of the boys and meet heaps of people, um, that was really amazing to do. Um but I'd like to do more things like that. So the first event I went to and took my camera uh, was Black Label last year in Melbourne, and I made the split decision about 48 hours before the actual event um, and just decided that I was going to go down. And so Josh Larnick and I jumped in the hairdresser polo and sent ourselves down to um, Melbourne, shot that, came back and... I think that was kind of my realisation that um, that's what I really wanted to do and just set myself full at it. Um, but, yeah, commercial commercial automotive photography, um, shoot more shows, um, meet more people, to be honest. Like, I'd love to travel the world doing it. Like, uh, people yeah. like Alex Penfold, um, if you've not looked at his Instagram, you should because it just looks like scenes out of movies. Um his stuff is amazing. Um, probably, in my opinion, one of the best automotive uh, or vehicle photographers in the world at the moment. Um, and he was in Australia last year, actually, uh, shooting some stuff. But 
yeah, just traveling. I guess that sort of comes down like meeting more people and doing event stuff. Like I think the more you do it, it'll you'll just get lucky and you'll meet one person. Yeah, 100%. and it'll sell it. You've got guys like uh, like Peas that shoots for like Amity Affliction and stuff like that. Yeah, you know he was going to all their shows, whatever, and then just one day it was just like. I'm going on tour with these guys now. Yeah, exactly. And I, I haven't seen him post any band stuff in a long time, and that's super saddening because when I first started, he was literally my one of my biggest inspirations with photography, um, yep. being such an Amity fanboy that I am. Um, he and and I mean, when I went to that meeting group, meeting Peas was almost as good as meeting Joel. Um, yeah, well, definitely. I'd be more. I'd be more excited to meet Peace, to be honest. Yeah, well, I got thrown under the bus um, at that uh, that meet and greet as well because I was frozen, seeing uh, frozen in front of Joel, and kind of had some brain malfunction where I just stopped talking, um, and then uh, yeah, Emily turned around to Peace and was like, "Oh, by the way, James is obsessed with you," and I was like. <laughs> but, but yeah like um yeah definitely was obsessed with peas at one point or another i did talk to him a couple of times on instagram which was sick um was actually meant to shoot with him while i was down in melbourne shooting uh melbourne fashion festival um a couple of years ago while i was at cit um but he had work unfortunately because most of us photographers still have day jobs yeah um so that was an opportunity missed but even still. I guess that's like, yeah, it, it kind of does look like, you know, all he does is go on tour with, you know, guys like Amity and Parkway and things like that, but he probably still just works in a warehouse. Yeah. Well, actually, he worked at a, a, a cafe, I think. I think he's a, yeah. a vegan barista or something. Probably but, about right then. Yeah. But, yeah, like, <laughs> we still have day jobs. We've still got to do what we've got to do. You have um, to. You can't, you can't yeah. until you get to that point, um, it's, it's next to impossible. But, you know. Yeah. The more you work at it, the easier it's gonna be. Well, I tried. I tried at the end of last year to. Um, I tried at the end of last year to try and phase myself down to a casual at um at Platy, and it it didn't backfire because I definitely learned a lot. But I, I I moved to casual and started putting myself out there. I got quite a bit of work for the first month or so um shooting events and doing stuff um around Canberra but like you said before Canberra's got 400,000 people in it and unless you are working or having government contracts it's really hard to make it without it um especially here um I know that there's ADF photographers and stuff like that but yeah unless you're or even like I got a few gigs through ANU um and stuff like that but it's just so hard without uh, like a steady income. Yeah, and until you get to that point, you I mean you just you just got to keep grinding. I guess that's what. To yeah. Stay on the grind. Yeah. Well, yeah. since then, like, got a got an apartment, got a pup. Like, it's hard to hard to lose job security and follow a passion when. I guess you gotta you gotta kind of say that they're golden handcuffs by saying that. You like I've like we didn't have to get an apartment, didn't have to get a puppy or anything like that. No. Um, but it's life. You you want to live. You put yourself in those golden handcuffs. Um, not many people say it, but I actually don't feel like I'm working when I'm I've got the camera in my hand. So it's no. it's super easy to be like, yeah, okay, I worked a fifty five hour week. When really the hardest part of my about my week was just working at Platypus. That's right. I mean, I struggle, you know, I'd struggle to go to work, you know, even if it was a half day on a Saturday doing my last day job, but I can happily go and sit out the back at three o'clock in the morning for three hours taking photos of the stars and it's like it never even happened. It's just so easy, so so smooth and it's just done. Yeah, it's just, I think I think hard, the hardest thing is trying to find that professional balance, especially when you're shooting something like automotive photography, it's... You're with your friends, you're with people that you're meeting and stuff like that, but you, you've really got to maintain some level of professionalism with, all right, maybe I've shot your car a couple of times and we're now more than just acquaintances and um, and stuff like that, but it's trying yeah. to find 
the the balance between being a professional and being a friend as well because um, I think that's a, tra- to do a professional job exactly and I think that's where a lot of people get trapped and then don't know how to ask someone like oh like when are you going to end up paying me or or something like that because meant to you feel like you're meant to be friends and and you've kind of just ended up putting yourself in a in a bit of a corner because you've got to chase up an invoice or um or something like that or if something's not quite right they expect you to go back and um do the editing and whatnot um or they might ask you for raw files please god no one ever give out raw files (laughs) you know i've been taking photos for years so when my wife said hey i found a photographer it was like did you it was it, it was so hard for me to say yep okay cool like she was in love with him his photos are really nice but then when it came to like the end of everything he shot the wedding we went and saw the photos and he goes here's your uh here's your photos um they're only at facebook resolution i don't give out any higher than that and each photo was like 35 kilobytes what and it's like i get that you would how much you pay for the photographer if you don't mind me asking it was about five grand we had him for about eight hours. So like the time, you know, we got, we got prints, we got a book, we got all that stuff. But when it came yeah. to like the photos for us to post personally, like it just, it blew me away. Like I wasn't expecting roars. I wasn't expecting anything crash hot. Yeah. I never said to him that I take photos or I do video or anything like that. I just, I never said a word of it cause I didn't want, I didn't want him to then think, Oh wow. Like, show off push myself or show yeah. off a bit because this guy takes photos too but like yeah don't give out raws but also don't give, give out people photos that belong on a nokia uh that's hilarious but um unfortunate for you i guess um my advice to people who um give out images weddings are a different ball game like people want high resolution wedding photos that's just period um yeah, and they want to print them themselves yeah um, they want to do it themselves. Exactly. Like I, when I shoot cars, like I, um, I offer, I'm like, look, if there's a photo I love, I will probably print it myself just to have another one. And I'll go, look, if you want this printed, let me know. I'm going to print my own one. I'll just add yeah. 30, 40 bucks on top, like, or whatever the cost may be. Like I don't normally do it at a, uh, as a, as a steep add on. Um, yeah. if you want a copy of the print, let me know and I'll do it. Um, but if they, a lot of people ask for just Instagram content. So if I just give them a social media file, like sized file, um, I'm pretty sure 35 kilobytes is still not social media size. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, like, all it's got to be is like 1080 by 1080 pixels and everyone's happy. Yeah. Or like, like I do, um, I guess going into Moosehead's photography, they only like well, we upload a Facebook resolution, so um, I know what this like the my barrier is before it's like the social media site starts bringing the quality down. So I will I will probably give you two folders, and one is going to be look here's social media size. If you want some printed, here's some high res. It takes ten minutes to export a higher resolution and an extra 30 seconds of uploading if you have good Wi-Fi. When I used to, when I did nightclub photography, like back in 2009, yeah, 2008, 2009, the company I worked for, like this is back when internet wasn't good either. And like, I think, yeah, basically. And my camera only shot like eight megabyte photos. So like it wasn't anything crazy. It was just like a little Sony um slr thing it wasn't nothing special but when we uploaded our photos they had to be a maximum of two megabytes man it would take forever to upload these photos like i'd be in wollongong and i'd go to four different nightclubs and i'd take like two thousand photos and i'd have to upload these things like over two days that's ridiculous and, and this is in 2009 and our wedding photographer couldn't even give us that in bloody 2018 <laughs> uh, anyway well if it makes you feel any any better it takes takes about from import to export and then upload, it at max three nights takes about an hour and a half. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's the but, future we live in. Yeah, well, Lightroom being able to import with a, a preset automatically put over it is a godsend. 
Yeah, they've Lightroom is definitely Lightroom Classic and you know like and the new Lightroom. They've made it so easy. It's kind of too easy, and that goes back to before, like talking about um, like photographers and photos and art being subjective. Anyone can be a photographer now if you've got Lightroom and a semi-okay camera. Yeah, any yeah, and I know I I was actually expecting a question from um, particular uh, or a particular person um, making a comment about asking me what my thoughts were on uh, free free photo shoots. Um, because he likes he likes to antagonize me about free photo shoots um but yeah you get what you pay for some people are killing the game at the moment and it's it's sad to see it but it's sad but that's like everything though like obviously I, i i'm very involved in tattoos and things like that and there's guys that are getting around you know doing full day tattoos for like 600 dollars, and people think walking out thinking it's the best thing in the world and it's absolute garbage I have learned the hard way with tattoos. Well, you got free tattoos off me. I mean, I wasn't yeah. going to charge you for those things. I mean, if I did, they're not I'd, horrible. I'd not, they're not horrible, but I'd be no worse than the person I'm talking about now if I charge. Yeah, probably not. But, um, so, but yeah, that I mean, that rose banger is still still sat there looking it's all right. Still, it's sat um, Bold holds. That's just how it is. Um, but, yeah, I actually got a tattoo from um, someone – I'm not going to release a name because they're quite high up in the uh, tattoo industry. Um, and it cost me, I think, $400 for about 20 minutes. I remember this. This was about a year and a half ago. And I was so angry because yeah. it was so shit. It's, <laughs> the colour is already faded. Um, I've got a tattoo on my right forearm that st- has – I got – I think the same year I got my first tattoo, so when I was 18 or something, um, and it has held better than that. And it's, <laughs> yeah, it's, it is what it is. You learn, live and you learn, but. Yeah, um, that's, that's just how it is. And the same thing goes with photos. You get what oh, you yeah, for. Oh, 100%. Got another question here. Uh, I won't say who, because that was the whole point of the anonymous thing for all these questions that came through. Oh, yeah. All right. We've sent through. 100 words or less. Come up with a conspiracy theory against the use of a fisheye lens. A, a conspiracy against the use? Against the use of a fisheye lens. I was, I was When I read that, I was pissing myself because I'm like, why would anybody want to come up with a theory, a conspiracy theory against the use? The only thing I can think of is it throws out the flat earth theory. I don't think I quite could think of one i don't know like what type of conspiracy theory are we talking here i don't know these are easy your mates that are sending these through they're not mine i don't know all right well i couldn't tell you once he listens to this he can uh he can send you a message or even he can comment if he can comment on on my post when i make a post for this i'd love to know what his conspiracy theory was what is is the conspiracy theory like it's a completely against something like is it yeah, like something to do with the aliens or i don't know he doesn't like he doesn't like fisheye lenses oh to be honest i don't either they have their place in the photography world and they can be used very well and they can be used very horribly yeah, um, in, one, in one form of sport photography, and that's about it. Uh, yes, mountain biking and that, or mountain like any form of thing. mountain biking, maybe BMX, skating, action yeah. sports, maybe. Yeah, that's probably yeah. If, you, all if, I'd you, say. if you're going to take a, a five thousand dollar camera, you know, to the beach, or you just take a yeah. GoPro, six hundred bucks. Exactly. Like I think, if you want to go to, like, I've got no idea on fish eyes. I've never used one. Never wanted to use one. Um, but if you want a good example of fisheye photography, go look at Nick Waygood photo. He, I went to CIT with him and he was well ahead of all of us pretty much when we started. Um, and his mountain bike photography is tops. I love it. Like I, I'm not a huge mountain biker at all. Um, but I can enjoy a Nick Waygood photo. It's because they're way good. Yeah, I guess you could say that. I was like, hopefully he listens to this and gets this little bit of a. <laughs> I'll make sure I tag him. Yeah, tag him in it. He can listen to it. Fifty-two minutes, give or take, Nick, if you're listening. Yeah, also, I wanted to talk about how mental health and photos came about. Um, because we've got we've got a, a new, I guess, style of photography now where 
over you've got these overly saturated and you've got cool backgrounds and then you, you you're putting text over photos now yeah i mean i've got um so i guess where i started was loud and proud to acknowledge it i mean i've suffered with a mental health before and um like i guess i still have my days everyone still has their days um and this whole sad boy thing has come into play with automotive photography as well as just cars I started it purely because um, I knew that there was a few of my followers and, and stuff like that that were struggling. And I know there's a lot of people that are in the car community that struggle with mental health. Um, so I decided that I was, I guess I was just playing around on Photoshop. I wanted to do something a little bit more creative. Um, and while I was playing around, I just kind of came to that I was going to do a couple of little series where I promoted um, positive mental health or even um, promoted that um, like people aren't alone and stuff. The first, I guess this this craze came into um, automotive photography with like iMessage photoshops where people were photoshopping. Yeah. Yeah, people were photoshopping iMessage, like Apple bubbles in and text and stuff. Um, and I was like, oh, that's cool. Like I rated it. I thought it was something maybe I would want to do and started playing around with it. And a few, I think I posted one. I shot um, shut down STI at the time. Um, and I had a photo uh, from last, from the start of summer, I think, uh, while we had all those bushfires going around. So there was a lot of smoke around. Um, but it just looks like a really cold winter night. And I shot it down by the lake on the footpath next to the new park. Um, and I ended up photoshopping in um, a two-way uh, text message, iMessage bubble, um, because I had an idea for those as some stickers a long time ago. Um, and so the idea behind that specific image was that it's a two-way street, like someone's saying it to you and you're saying it to someone else, and then they kind of faded into each other. Yeah. Um, so I kind of jumped on the bandwagon with that first of all, but that image blew up quite heavily. Like I think at the time I was only a- averaging like 50 likes on a photo, but that got a reach of over 8,000 and ended up with 500 likes and it was being shared all over the place. I think it had like 150 cents or something like that. Um, so it blew up quite <laughs> a lot. And so I was like, all right, well, people enjoyed it. Um, it's a way of me, I guess, contributing to the car community in a positive way, as well as getting some creative juices flowing in my photography. So I started doing more. Um, I did another one of Jay's car. I did one of Jack from, uh, Sydney's car because his car was in its signature wraps getting wrapped. Um, I did one of Grant's, uh, E36, I believe the bagged one. Um, before he got rid of it, uh, that I shot at Hot Import Nights. Um, and it kind of snowballed from there. Do you think more people will will sort of go to that style? Because it's not just it's not just a yeah, photo. Yeah, like more people to definitely engage with it more. But I think um, I think there was still a bit of stigma around it, and it got dragged down quite quite a bit actually after it. I think people kind of just got sick of seeing it. Like it was, was it overdone. The iMessage one definitely that was over well yeah overused yeah. quite heavily i did it quite a bit if i'm honest i probably did four or five um so i'll yeah. i'll hand up and say i contributed to that but then i started doing things in a different way um i did one big one big thing that i really wanted to do while i was down in stat uh, down at status was luke shoot luke's uh r34 because he was the one that put out the suicide prevention hotline stickers so i really wanted to do a hotline edit of his car um and i ended up promoting that on instagram that that blew up as well that was probably one of my favorite ones um and then i was approached by a dude uh broken halo visuals down in melbourne who did that um i did i do like his stuff but he's, he he shares from is it Noah yeah. Barker or Noah Baker or something? He always shares a lot of his stuff. That's super, super saturated California, yeah. maybe. Their skies. And yeah, like just, he does, it's really he does cool. it really, really well. Um, and like it was, I guess it was kind of humbling for me as well that he approached me and I guess we were doing the same kind of thing. 
Um, I was just putting text over my own images, but he was getting in contact with people and using theirs. Um, and he wanted to use one of my images, so that was really cool. Um, so we managed to do that collaboration, um, which I really like it. Um, I'm not sure how everyone else thought about it, but I don't really care because it's on my Instagram. So it, it, it's, oh yeah, and I I'll like well. yeah okay. I put most of my edits out for my followers, but I do it purely because I enjoy doing them. Um, I think they're cool. That's why you yeah, do it because exactly. you enjoy it. But do you have any any advice for people who are who are struggling or you know these car people that are like shit, man? I feel like shit all the time. Like, do um, you have any advice for them? How did you get? I guess for it? myself. Um, myself, I just picked up a camera and then um, I guess I'm one of those people that finds comfort in helping a lot of other people. So I wouldn't necessarily say that I. Um, I, I guess I kind of put mine by the wayside, but I focused on myself a little bit and just decided, I guess one day something clicked and I was like, you know what, fuck it, Everything's, everything happens for a reason. Um, I flowed with it for a little bit, but my what, I, what I've been through is quite minor compared to quite a lot of other people. Um, and my I guess my advice um, I've helped quite a few people through is people are around to talk. Um, First of all, like if you've got a, someone who's a genuine friend, they will listen. Um, they want to listen. They want to help. Um, and going to a psychologist was probably one of the best things for me. I know it's really hard to get there and do it yourself um, and whatnot. So if there's someone that you can do. It's a big yeah, if, if someone that. around you can help you get there, um, definitely let them help you. Don't push help away. Um because I know a lot of people who have refused to let people help them and it's just got worse. But, yeah, definitely accept the help. If you're not going to accept the help, there's not much other people really can do. No, I think I think a lot of it, a lot of the times people sort of just say, well, you know, no one's there for me, no one's helping me, but they don't put themselves out there to get to that point. Yeah, I've had, like, uh, I guess I've had a, a couple of instances um, with friends that have um, suffered and they they know it's happening. Um, they just don't know how to say it. They don't um, know who to say it to. Um, if you know who you need to talk to, there's no easy way of saying it. So my one thing I live by is it's easier to ask for forgiveness than it is for permission. Um, just say it how yeah. you say it and apologise if it comes out bad. Yeah. And if you know you've got that person as well to talk to, there's nothing stopping you it, it, well you're only stopping yourself if yeah. you know you've got that person that you can count on well why aren't you counting on them yeah 100 that's the, that's what i did man like back last year i had like the biggest mental breakdown in my fucking life and i started building tables yeah i saw that actually some of those are sick they're sick i've still got like i, I, I gave one to a friend a tattooist friend i made for him but like i couldn't get out of bed like this was like and I, I looked back on it afterwards. I was like, holy fuck, like I nearly, I nearly went like did some really dark shit. And I didn't really think of it at the time, but I was like building tables was my outlet to get to a point where I was like, okay, there is something wrong here. But I didn't know what it was or why it was. Yeah. So find, find that something, you know, like I know it's, it's easy to say find that something. I didn't find yeah. it. It just it found me, but I mean, it's, it's easy to sit here and say, talk to that person or do this or do that. And and it is easy said compared to when done, but... Because I didn't look, say it. I didn't go to somebody, you know, I didn't go to my person and say, hey, I've got this going on. I didn't know how. Yeah, exactly. And I, I mean, I've had uh, numerous things happen in my life where I think it's sad, but you kind of just kind of get used to some of the shitty feelings. So you kind of... You're like, all right, well, that happened, and then you move on. Um, but anything that resonates, I mean, one thing that really helped me, actually, I am definitely no journal writer or anything like that, but I wrote down a lot of my thoughts and disposed of them how you please. Um, but yeah. normally that is a really easy way to – you don't have to vocalise it. You just get rid of it. Just get rid of it. And, like, it, it sounds a bit bad, but getting over it is a big thing. Just – you don't want to just say, or oh, just get over it, but 
that's how you have to progress. You have to take what you've got now and yeah. move forward. Yeah, you've um you've got to kind of instill a mindset where you've got to stop dwelling on those negative things. And I I mean everyone has their days. Like I still crack this shit over little things and dwell on some negatives, but like take ten minutes, sit, put the grand scheme of things out in front of you and focus on some more positive things. Yeah. You've only got one life. Why would you wanna, you know, sit there and not live it to its fullest? Yeah, exactly. Hundred percent. I think we are probably done at this stage because we're well over an hour here. Oh, five minutes over an hour. It's up to you. <laughs> I talked. I've much. got to go back to work. I've got. A, I've got a meeting. I've got to go to. <laughs> so I think let's wrap it up at that. I th- I'm yeah. happy with with how we've ended that. I think for a first podcast and a first guest, this yeah, has been sure. really good and really fun. I've really enjoyed it. I hope yeah, you it's have. Good. It's definitely less nervous once you get about 20 minutes in. Yeah, about 20 minutes <laughs> in, I think, for me, was a good point too. Well, James Irwin, thank you for coming and being the first guest on the podcast. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. It's been fun. This episode of the Best Mates podcast was brought to you by nobody because we don't have a sponsor. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you enjoyed today's show, feel free to head over to the Best Mates Podcast on Spotify for more episodes or our Instagram at Best Mates Podcast. We'll see you at the next show.